0: This episode of Magic Hour is slightly different from our previous episodes. One of our YouTube comments requested an additional deep dive into magic and the associated ecosystems, which we know as cartridges. This is the first episode of that series, which focuses on the activities and gameplay of Bridgeworld. It's broken up into different segments, and we try to cover as much information as possible. If you have any feedback, you can always leave us a comment on YouTube, Twitter, or reach out on our Discord. Thanks for listening!
1: Hi, I'm Alan. Hi, this is Dionysus. Hi,
0: I'm Kyle. And hi, this is Breaker, and you're listening to Magic Hour, a podcast about all things treasure DAO. What is magic? Magic is the natural resource of the treasure metaverse. It powers on NFTs and turns them from fantasy into productive, yield bearing assets.
1: Yeah, but I feel like magic is more than that. I feel like it's also like, like fundamentally it's like a decentralized finance coin. And while it powers the metaverse, like how you obtain it, everything leading up to it, everything in the bridge world is kind of like an instrument to just obtain more magic. It's like a loop. Yeah, and the idea is that the more magic
0: is used, the greater value it has. So you want as many different ecosystems using magic as possible. So the idea that these are all different cartridges, if you will, in the grand scheme of this Nintendo system that has been described as, then it will only continue to grow and provide more value to the magic token in general because all these different cartridges are using the magic token.
1: Yeah. Again, it seems like it's part of this like flywheel where, say, no one is building on magic, right? It becomes less valuable. So, the the value is really created in in not only the original like flagship product like Bridge World, but it's also kind of necessitates that the builders come and also make new cartridges to plug. To use that analogy, right? Interesting. Uh, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this in a, a few ways because the being a part of this ecosystem, I'm so focused on like playing the game and like looking at the magic to- like token price that I forget about. It's like kind of like more philosophical like purpose, right? And it's easy to,
0: to feel that way. Anyone in your shoes would. And it's about making it seem like it's not something that is of value and is used in these games. And you just want more magic so you can play the game more, right?
1: So let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about how you want magic because you want to play the game. So how do you obtain magic in the first place, right? Well, it's a DeFi DeFi coin, so we get it through.
0: Well, it's found on the Arbitrum chain, right? So first off, you have to bridge some Ethereum to the Arbitrum chain. In order to do that, there's many different ways. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes. But the best way to find out how to do that is go to startwithmagic.com that simple but coming back to how we obtain it so you bridge your
1: ethereum over to arbitrum and then you swap it for magic we swap it with magic and then there's nut but th- there are multiple ways to be earning magic like so obviously you, you purchase it to have a, a, a stack but then you can go and place it in the the harvester right and and you can have like this like proof of work like you you're putting your money to work to then receive more magic as a reward right
0: yeah, it, I would I would almost call it proof of stake because basically you're staking your magic in the atlas mine, which in theory we're working in the mines, but really it's just being staked there. But what we haven't even touched upon yet is you can get more value out of your staking your magic by owning a bunch of different treasures. You can stake your magic and earn interest on that stake magic in the form of more magic. And that's what everybody wants to do. But when you mine it, you have to lock it how long have you locked it for Dion?
1: I've I've locked for a few different time periods. Um but but right now I have locked for a full year.
0: Right on. Twelve months. I yeah. think
1: mine is three months locked right now. Nice. Yeah, I put I put five thousand in so I don't pay per hand, honestly. That's the that's the main reason. There are how many staking time periods? I think like six in total. Um let's see, there are there's two weeks, one month, three months, six months, and then one year. But also, it's important to know that it's not that these are released on vesting schedules. So one month is released over seven days from unlock three months is 14 days, six months is 30 days, and then 12 months is 45 days. So it's not going to be some huge unlocking event for everyone that unlocked for a year it's going to be a slow gradual progression 45 days out
0: that's pretty crazy and smart at the same time because then people can't just get out and pay for hand
1: exactly i mean for all of you who were around for the uh what the january 25th unlock for the three month that was a a huge bullish unlocking event that um was highly anticipated So I I think that they wanted to kind of avoid some of that anticipation and anxiety over a a similar event moving Mm -hmm. into the future.
0: And also, when it comes to staking, there has to be a minimum amount of magic stake in order for everybody to receive the maximum amount of emissions.
1: Yeah. And the staking rate needs to be 60% of circulating supply for 100% magic emissions, um, which we hit almost... A, a, a couple of days after i mean I, I don't know if i would call that immediate but that was extremely fast i thought
0: i would say so too And it's very interesting we're hovering we're at 71 percent right now which is more than the minimum of 60 percent 10 percent more i wonder are we able to see how much of that is 12 months we probably can right
1: I'm pretty confident. You know what? I'll, I'll see if I can put that in the show notes. I'm pretty confident I've seen some tools that, that provide that information.
0: We've covered getting magic and we've covered staking magic to earn more. But is there a limit on how much magic there can be? No, 350 million tokens is the maximum supply of magic. But there's halvenings similar to the way Bitcoin has halvenings. And if you're not even familiar with halvings, that that basically means that Over a set period of time, the amount of the amount of a token released is going to diminish by 50 percent every time over the same amount of periods. Their happening occurs every year as opposed to Bitcoin's four years.
1: So it's a little bit more accelerated, but that's not a bad thing, especially considering you're trying to incentivize people to come in and build. And if magic is the native token, you want enough magic to go around. For instance, Battlefly right? Battlefly, you needed, thir- there are 30,000 mints where you need five magic in your wallet. If we didn't have enough magic in the ecosystem, then it would become a pretty big barrier to entry to actually mint Battlefly, right? So that's it. that's that actually makes sense. So that, that basically is what the magic token is.
0: talk about the various cartridges the ecosystem that use magic first we'll start with bridge world um, bridge world is a game of strategic commerce trade and domination which sits at the center of the treasure metaverse so one thing we have to understand is that bridge world is this almost hub of the treasure ecosystem the idea that everybody is coming to bridge world from all other ecosystems and i like i like that as a story because it conveys the effort that we've all put in to get here, right? We've all bridged ourselves from Ethereum over to Arbitrum to play this game. And so where's the first place you go? You go to the hub, the place where it all starts. And here in BridgeWorld, we can do many things, but it all starts with legions. Yeah, legions are the, the character in the game. That's, that's what all the players play with. What are the different ways we can play the game in BridgeWorld?
1: There are a few different ways to play the game in Brave World, and it entirely depends on your specific uh, involved, how involved you want to be with the game, and also your risk tolerance. Uh, Yeah, uh, you can summon, craft, or quest. And all of these things require, uh, some of these things require resources, uh, both magic and or NFTs, and they all require your time your legion to be locked in for a certain amount of time which has varied throughout the entire lifespan of bridge world um so yeah which of the three activities do you want to jump into
0: uh well before we jump into that there are a couple other things that you can do in bridge world one of which is the atlas mine we covered that in an earlier part of this episode when we discussed the magic token but when you stake your magic you stake it in the atlas mine um. So there's also the barracks you can go to where you can hire your recruit. Mm-hmm. And then there is the Starlight Temple where you can – excuse me. The Starlight Temple is where you would augment your legion.
1: Yeah. Wow. I didn't even realize it was open. That's so cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah, so okay. – Originally summoning was seven days to summon a legion and then seven day cooldown a- auxiliary legions could only summon once and Genesis legions could summon more than uh summon unlimited auxiliary legions and It was a hundred percent success rate mm-hmm. so now that created a whole a whole lot of auxiliary legions in the
1: ecosystem. not a good thing. what the game managers did was they patched the game the new the new changes implemented by by the game devs allow summoning success to be a function of how many people are crafting. It's pretty complicated because originally, to Breaker's point, a bunch of people were summoning because it was the highest expected value. In this game of strategy and commerce, you want to maximize your profit. And so you would summon with your either auxiliary legion or your Genesis legion, and you would go sell it on the marketplace because they're selling at a premium for what you pay to, to summon said said auxiliary legion there that was a huge inflationary lever that was pulled and allowed for auxiliary legions to both flood the market and flood the game
0: right and so they had to change the rules of the game in order to stop the flood of the market and so now exactly. in the update they've updated to where genesis legions still can summon unlimited legions but there are a couple caveats here auxiliary exactly. legions can also still only summon one legion, but they have different caveats. First, we have to know that we have to note that now, because there's a success rate tied to the crafting, you're not always going to get a summon legion when you try to summon.
1: Exactly. So we moved sub 100% success rate. We've actually moved sub 50% success rate. W- what success rate are we at now?
0: 20%. Jesus. So that means 80% failure. And also, they increased the length of the summoning time so now it's 10 days but on the other end they've decreased the amount of time that you have to wait to get your legion back if you fail so previously it would be a 14 day turnaround no actually for summoning it would be a you would have it back right away though right
1: precisely yeah
0: so after after you summoned you had your legion to do whatever you want with
1: oh oh no um yes
0: you're, su- you're summoning legion after seven days would be able to do stuff.
1: Oh, after seven days. Yes, precisely.
0: Now you have to wait 10 days to find out even if you have success. And if you fail, you have to wait another three days before you can do anything.
1: I, b- I believe it's actually reversed. So you can find out if you have success at the very beginning.
0: Ah, yeah. now that makes sense. Now it makes yeah. sense. Okay. So the game is that you're, you're trying to summon a legion. You might succeed. If you succeed, it's going to take 10 days. And then after 10 days, you'll have your legion available to use again. And oh, by the way, the newly summoned legion has to wait seven days before it can even start doing what it needs to do. We call that summoning fatigue. But if you fail, you only have to wait three days, which I think is a pretty good solution. And I wouldn't feel too bad about that.
1: Yeah, um, it just makes you do the the opportunity cost analysis for, well, would I rather be doing any of the other actions available in Bridgeworld? Right,
0: and we're going to get to those in a second, but we have to talk about the price of summoning because in Bridgeworld, this is really the one that costs the most. This is the big magic sink. Yeah, it Cause, is. Because crafting doesn't cost any magic, right? You only have to have staked magic. Um, and I think... Questing doesn't really doesn't cost any magic.
1: Questing is free. I think crafting does require a, There's a five magic cost associated with with crafting, so it's extremely low.
0: Got it. Okay,
1: but it's still still there.
0: Okay. So coming back to summoning, the cost to summon for Genesis Legions is three hundred, and the cost for Auxiliary Legions is five hundred. That's a static amount, but when we've talked about this before, the Genesis Legions have unlimited summons, and there's a caveat there after 5 summons you then have to start staking some magic in the liquidity liquidity pools and where we where can we stake that magic
1: where we would stake that on sushi swap right
0: is it only limited to sushi swap ah uh,
1: that's a good question even on uh, the treasure ducks website they they show uh like where can i stake yeah the slp tokens in the magic weave slp would be i think on su- on sushi swap i actually don't know do you do you- Stake breaker i do not i i feel like a fool i feel like i should be and i don't know
0: (laughs) with the update of summoning 2.0 we talk about there's going to be success rates now they've given us percentages on the various results as well as a rare reward of Azerite dust, which you might get. And that's 0.01% regardless of who's doing the summoning. But the auxiliary commons, uncommons, and rares have very low percentage chances of getting rare auxiliary legions. In fact, only auxiliary rares can summon another auxiliary rare.
1: Huh. I didn't even know that. That explains why I'm not getting any. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then auxiliary uncommons only have a 5% to summon an uncommon. And auxiliary commons can only summon another auxiliary common, which I think is fair.
1: Yeah, that's reasonable.
0: So we're really limiting the amount of auxiliary rares and uncommons that are hitting the market. As far as Genesis goes, the commons, the specials, the uncommons, the rares, and the legendaries all have different summoning percentages. And we encourage you to go check those out on the treasure docs, but we don't need to get into them right here. You can, however, increase the odds of getting rares from summoning by using small, medium, and large prisons, which are tokens that you earn through questing, which we're going to get into next. We already covered summoning. Let's talk about questing. So we do questing at the ivory tower. So when you're looking at the screen, you click on the ivory tower. And we can start our quests. And,
1: Dion, why do we quest? Well, I personally quest because it, it, it turns my, my legions, regardless of being Genesis or Auxiliary, into productive assets. It, I receive rewards for my quests. Yeah. We
0: quest because we want to we have a productive asset. And what are we producing? What's, what what am I getting out of this questing?
1: Why am I doing it? So there are two types of rewards that you're receiving, two types of NFT rewards. The first one is a consumable reward. And there are three consumables that you receive, that you have a potential to receive from questing. One is something called Prism Shards. The other is Essence of Starlight. And then the third is a Universal Lock. Now, all of these have different drop rates, and I might be confusing the Two-Breaker, but I think Essence of Starlight has a 100% drop rate, right? So regardless of, of doing this, you're going to receive some. Yes, I
0: believe that is, that's correct. I know that I always get Essence of Starlight when I, <laughs> when I quest. <laughs> yeah, um, it. it's not 100%. You're just really lucky. <laughs> right. I believe you actually get both Prism Shards and Essences of Starlight, although you may not get the same amounts each time. Like, so, I feel like sometimes I've gotten three Prism Shards. Uh, yeah. Two two Prism Shards, excuse me. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Huh. Oh, okay, I, I'm less familiar with that. So I, I understand that Prism Shards have a different drop rate. I think that they're around 50%. So half the time you're going to get them, the other half you're not. Mm-hmm. And then Universal Locks, which are extremely rare drops, have a point oh one percent chance for a drop so if you get one of these count yourself lucky yeah i haven't
0: i have done numbers of quests already and i have not gotten a single lock or the one?
1: yeah I've, I've never received a universal lock so that's, oh, that's, that's the just, only one right yeah
0: i'm oh, just kidding sorry so you yeah. but you can also get treasures right
1: well yeah that's the second type of nft reward and and that is uh, yeah, to your point, treasures, of which there are five tiers, and each of those tiers have a percentage to drop. So T5, Tier 5, is the the most common tier, and then tier one is the least common tier. It's where well, again we're not gonna go into the specifics of percentage drops, but just know tier five is much more common to receive than tier one. And I even wanna say it's kind of it's like a percentage of a percentage. You have a twenty percent chance, I I think, of receiving a treasure, but that might have even decreased with the recent patch. No, it didn't. It didn't. So you have a twenty percent chance of receiving a treasure. So one in five for every time you quest, and then you have I think like an eighty or eighty five percent chance, like around that. These are just the rough numbers of receiving like a tier five, and then like a sub one percent chance for receiving a tier one. But These quests, these quest rewards are also variable depending on your difficulty of quest. There are three levels of difficulty. There's easy, medium, and hard. Not necessarily creative with those names, but nonetheless, breaker. have you done a medium quest? I'm actually still lagging behind. I'm only doing easy quests.
0: I, I do have one of my auxiliary commons is a level three at this point they have 120 experience so they're actually uh they've done you get 20 experience at level three per quest so in levels one and two you only get 10 experience per quest and so getting to level two is fairly easy but then getting to from level two to level three i think you have to go on 20 quests um or maybe it's 15 no i think it's 20 it's 15 at level three um to level four but getting from level two to level three was the most quests i've had to do so far and so now i'm at level three and i'm getting 20 experience per quest so it's only going to take 15 questing events rather than 20 at levels one and two but it takes longer so for for my level three it takes two days to quest whereas level ones and twos take one day to quest
1: got it and correct me if i'm wrong but there's no right now the only benefit again right now keywords here the only benefit of being like a, a level three is the ability to do medium quests, right?
0: Yes. Right um, now, you can only do medium quests as a level three. Got it. They have a little. They have a little uh, questing progress bars too. I actually have one guy who's about to hit level two. Um, Seven. Seven. My my riverman just hit level two. Uh, and then I have two others that are almost at level two, one thirty and one forty, and then one guy who's at ninety. So they're starting to climb.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like it a lot. I kind of do appreciate the the grind aspect of it. Like it does. Like, This is just like playing a normal video game. You do have to level up. You have to move on to the bigger and better things, but you got to put in the work to do so.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a lot of fun. Um, I guess fun is not the right word. It's it feels like it's progressing. I yeah. wish that I wish that I could do like a little more automation here. And maybe I got to figure out how to write maybe a bot to do this kind of stuff for me. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, There has been talk about automating questing. And I believe that you can do it at some point with staked LP tokens same way that we can do it with the summoning right yes
1: that's exactly right but
0: have they activated that yet
1: not at this moment in time but it is a feature that was written the,
0: within the white paper and they will be releasing so at the time of this recording you won't have auto questing enabled but sometime in the future it may have. <laughs> Crafting is another portion of the bridge world game and probably the most important because this is where we're creating tools to allow us to earn more magic, right?
1: Yeah, it, it's that's exactly right. Um, the crafting allows us to develop other NFTs that eventually are used to access <clears throat> greater magic emissions excuse me, not only greater magic emissions, but just access large stores of magic that would otherwise be untouched, right? Yes. Through and this the harvester.
0: Right. And this is where you're going to earn more magic and really reap the rewards of playing this game. Now, each of the crafted items that you get will help you in different ways. Mm-hmm. Prisms will allow you to get more, get rarer hero, rarer Summons which will allow you to create more legions that can potentially be staked for ger- generating more magic. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about harvester parts and extractor parts, those are different ways of earning magic that we really don't know the rules of yet because they haven't been
1: launched. Precisely, I think the important thing to know about harvesters is they will have a sum of magic that are allocated to a to a a, essentially a new mine not the atlas mine but a different mine and the only way to participate in and reaping and extracting that magic is by developing and being a participant in the harvester and i think there's yeah there's a few ways to do that but that's not the purpose of this podcast
0: correct and so when you craft it's going to cost you five magic to craft and It doesn't matter what part you're trying to craft you're always going to have success when you craft that part correct and so starting at level one you can only craft prisms once you get to level three you can start to craft harvester parts and once you get to level five you can start crafting extractors level six is the highest level you can be at for now and when you craft you're going to earn crafting points from levels one and two you're going to earn ten from levels 3 and 4, you're going to earn 20. And from levels 5 and 6, you're going to earn 40 crafting points per craft.
1: So similar to the progression with stick right? Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Now, when you craft, because it's a 100% success rate, you still have a chance of getting a small, medium, or large drop for Prisms and Extractor parts. When it comes to Harvesters, you're only going to get one part 99.0, 99.99% of the time. times there is a 0.01 percent chance to get two harvester parts which i think is a pretty good deal
1: yeah i would would freak out if i got two
0: now in crafting they talk about how harvester parts are used to build one of the six foundational harvesters so there's a finite limit on harvester parts that can be created what happens to crafting after these parts created Hmm,
1: that's a good question oh then you would probably move move on to extractors, right?
0: You would move on to extractors, which boost harvester mining power. But maybe it turns out they're going to add more harvesters if this becomes a popular thing. It remains to be seen. We haven't seen all the rules yet for the harvesters.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, what does
0: it cost to craft besides the five magic? We haven't even touched on this yet. Each part requires a different recipe of treasures. And so this is where the treasure sink comes in. You know, we talked about in questing, you're questing to earn treasures. Here's where you're gonna get to use those treasures. For now, there may be other treasure sinks in the future in other games. And we will discuss them on on this podcast. But for now, this is the main treasure sink. So in order to create prisms, you're gonna need five tier five treasures two tier four treasures and one tier three treasures for a total of seven treasures. That's pretty significant when you think about it.
1: Yeah.
0: To make a harvester part, you're going to need five tier five, two tier four, three tier three, two tier two, and one tier one for a total of 13 treasures. Wow. That's really going to eat into the supply of treasures. Yeah. Then for extractor parts, you're going to need two Tier 2s, one Tier 3, three Tier 4s, and five Tier 5s for a total of 11 mm-hmm. treasures.
1: Interesting. So extractors are slightly cheaper, even though it takes a higher level to achieve them.
0: Yes. And I think that the only, the main reason that is is because the harvester parts have to come first because you got to build the harvester for you to even use the extractor.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: And similar to questing... Crafting times are split between 24 hours for a prism, 36 hours for a harvester part, and 48 hours for an extractor part.
1: Huh.
0: It's funny. It says here success rate of crafting 90%, but at the that top, w- it says crafting has 100% chance of success.
1: Yes. <clears throat> and that's because it used to be 90%. Again, before the patch notes... And when people weren't crafting really at all and we had two inflationary levers going and the deflationary lever was pulled in a way, but not necessarily utilized. Right. So so now they've they've tweaked things ever so slightly to make this slightly more attractive by decreasing summoning success and increasing crafting success.
0: Crafting is the backbone of Bridge World to creating more wealth for the users. Everything yeah. that we do in Bridge World is to craft these parts so we can create the harvesters and the extractors. If you want to participate that way, you don't have to do that. You could just quest and sell your legions on the market or just quest and quest and quest and just sell your treasures on the market. I mean, I feel like that's probably what I would do. Yeah, But I'm just that's... a small fish, right? If you're, you know, <laughs> if you're like really into wanting to do the harvesters, and who knows, it might turn out that the harvester is the way to go, and we might revisit that. But for right now, I if I'm just trying to not spend a lot and really kind of create some wealth for myself, I think I'm going to just do the questing so I can earn more treasures and sell them on the market for those who want to do the crafting.
1: Totally agree. And I think that's playing out by the general population again. I don't know if I have those numbers particularly, but I think that's what we are seeing.
0: I think we will definitely see a change when the harvester is released and people have to really start crafting.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the rewards for Harvesters are just going to be too juicy for people to, to pass up. I think it will attract a whole lot of new participants. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah, so to be able to participate in any action in the game, you would either need a Legion or... If a legion is too expensive um, to avoid any barriers to entry, the creators have also come up with a a really cool, unique um, uh, solution where you can have a recruit, which only costs 10 magic, and that recruit cannot be traded, but that recruit can go on quests for you, and they can, well, actually, getting a little bit too far ahead of myself.
0: You, You are... Let's let's talk about the player characters. First off, there's a recruit, but then there are higher level, higher level player characters, the auxiliary legions, then the genesis legions, and there's a very clear distinction between these two. Let's start with the genesis legions first because they will help explain the auxiliary legions. Genesis legions is an all-encompassing term, but there really are four different types. Of Genesis legions, do I have that right, or are there more? There, are how many different types? I said, I said four, because I think there's the all class, the the
1: Genesis Commons, the Numeraires, and the Rivermen. Yes, I, I would say that it's important to to note that, like the the Commons, also have. Um... Oh, there's also Genesis yeah, yeah. Legion yeah. Rares, right? Yeah, there's also like assassin, spellcasters, and and sieges, and fighters, and ranges. So like there's there's quite a, a a plethora and stratification of of this rarity.
0: There are nine different Genesis Legion roles. That's how they call. That's what they call them on the marketplace. You have your all class, your assassin, your fighter, your numeraire, your ranged, your origin. Your riverman, your siege, your spellcaster. I don't like that either.
1: Well, I wish I, they
0: just—I wish they just had a list. Remember, we were talking about this the other well,
1: day. The, I think I just posted one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. We'll I would next. actually say that I think that there's ten because one of the things that that's not listed are, are the ultra rares, the, the five of five.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. This is where we should have been looking. Alright. So first yeah. off, there's one unique thing about Genesis Legions, and that is their supply is fixed. Their supply will never increase moving forward. So first off, you have your Ultra Rares, of which there are five, and they're one of ones. So there are five unique Ultra Rares. Then there's 38 types of all-class Rares, of which there are 271 all-class. I didn't even know there were that many.
1: That's That's quite a bit. Yeah, I think that the types have to do with the artwork associated with them fairly fairly confident so like for for like numerary there are eight different types and i think that there are slight maybe slight deviations in the artwork um, but the main difference in that eight different type would actually be the background color so for instance i have a numerary that's yellow with like background but there's like lime green and blue and red and i think purple um If that makes all sense. right, all right, I understand. I understand.
0: So we have two hundred seventy-one all-class rares. Then there are fifty assassins, sixty spellcasters, sixty sieges, seventy fighters, one hundred thirty ranges, which I guess are like maybe shooting a bow and arrow or firing a gun. I
1: guess. Yeah, they have both, which is kind of cool. Pretty. Oh yeah, no, the art is amazing.
0: Five hundred forty rivermen, seven hundred eleven numeraires, which I think is a very interesting number, seven eleven. And then 1,564 comments,
1: 1,564. Yeah. So that puts the total number of Legion Genesis, which is never increasing, as you mentioned before, at 3,461. All right. So So there's
0: not a lot. No, there's not a lot. 3,500 is a small NFT collection. Super. Especially, although this one from a, I guess, characteristic perspective is kind of limited. Then again, they do have traits, but the traits don't matter as much or aren't as clear right now. That could change in the future. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, we've already covered Genesis Legions, of which supply can never increase. Now let's talk about Auxiliary Legions, which don't have a fixed supply. And there are only six of
1: them, correct? Correct, there are only six. But they have a common, an uncommon, and a rare. Correct which is all kind of delineated based on the artwork. Right. And so you have just a common legion, a siege. Well, no, I guess it's there's five, right? There's only five because the they're all common legions, no? That's a really good point. I think that what's on their website is slightly outdated because, and this might be a little bit too specific or granular, but there were common legions before Bridgeworld came into being like before they wrote the code, et cetera. And then they went on the pilgrimage where they gained the class. Right. Again, and, and, and now they're called auxiliary
0: commons, auxiliary uncommons, and auxiliary rares. Yeah, precisely. And of which there are five classes. Right. So you have siege, ranged,
1: fighter, assassin. And what is the fifth? Spellcaster, which was, I think, I think spellcaster is the most sought after um, for some reason. I don't have any
0: spellcasters.
1: The same. <laughs> but uh I they've all evened out. Uh we've we've done away with uh stratifying or uh pricing them according to their according to their class, which is good. We've got our Genesis legions, we've got our aux legions,
0: and we talked about the recruit a little bit. We talked about treasures in a bunch of the different segments before this but we haven't really talked about the treasures themselves yeah we and there are, are five different tiers of treasures tier five being the most common not very exciting stuff like half penny and emerald and dragon tail then we have tier four which you get a little better donkeys are very popular grain blue rupees then we get into tier three which You have the likes of score of Ivory and Jar of Fairies in favor of gods, which is one of my favorites. (laughs) And then we have tier twos, which get a little more exciting. The Divine Hourglass, the Snow White Feather, the Bag of Mushrooms. And finally, we have tier one. But we'll note that there are two at tier one, one called a Grin and the other called a Honeycomb, which are labeled as special treasures because they won't ever be created through questing. correct?
1: correct you can view them as the legion genesis of the treasures
0: that's a great way to describe it now there's also categories of these treasures alchemy arcana enchanting brewing leatherworking and smithing yeah but right now that has no bearing on bridge world gameplay at this time correct but all these treasures exist They're all traded on the marketplace and they all have value in one way or another, whether it's through crafting or through improving the emissions of the Atlas mine through staking. And we're going to get into that in a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I just have like a philosophical question. Like, what do you think of treasures? Like, I kind of think about these as like the building blocks of the world in a lot of ways. Treasures yeah. were like right, weren't they? Like the first NFT, and they're kind of what everything has been built around. And as a result, like <clears throat>
0: you know what, I would tre- I would love to start with I would love to start with that because I felt like I was very low energy talking about those tiers, and it was really nagging on me. And I love I love what you're suggesting, so let's start with that.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. The final. The final piece of bridge. Well. Let's see. We've already covered legions. Now let's talk about the other NFTs in bridge world treasures. Mm -hmm. And really treasures should have been the start of this because we haven't really covered the
1: origins
0: of this whole ecosystem. And it starts with treasures. Yeah, that's right. For
1: all of you who remember loot treasures were minted in the same exact fashion on the Ethereum blockchain as a set of words on a black, background you could still buy some of them can't you on OpenSea? yeah you can there will be for all of you speculators out there there will be an eventual migration at some point in the future you can quote me on that
0: what's the floor right now 13 13 ethereum uh, excuse me 0.13 oh, ethereum
1: i was like oh my god yeah no <laughs> so... I, 0.13 ethereum that's actually not too bad it's not bad at all i mean because you're buying a bundle of them right you're not just buying right. a single yeah you see the highest Let's see the highest right now. That's probably well, I we haven't talked about the, the the tiers of treasures, but I would imagine it probably is a grin or a honeycomb. Mm. Or maybe one that has like a bunch of high tier treasures.
0: Yeah, there's one there's one with a grin at twenty ETH, but it's not the highest. Interesting. But it it drops off really quickly. Yeah, I bet. There's only maybe twenty
1: five before you get below one F. Interesting. Yeah, but even well, so some potential arbitrage, depending on how, how patient of a trader you are. Right, right. Well, let's get into it.
0: Treasures. You mentioned it. There are different tiers. And we've also talked about it in other segments in this episode. Dion, what's your favorite tier?
1: <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I love <clears throat> tier one. But I would even say there's like an S tier within a tier one. And that is the Grin in the Honeycomb. You can view them as the legion genesis of the the treasure NFTs. They are a fixed supply, and in no in no world in no way will you be able to to increase uh, increase their supply, like any other tr- T1 treasures or T1 to T5 treasures, to be more specific. Sorry, I'm I'm actually buying a <laughs> uh, a treasure right now. The first ever live podcast buy. I love it. There's an
0: unbreakable pocket watch at 0.15 ETH.
1: It's not that bad. Let me convert unbreakable pocket watch. Where is it?
0: Oh, I'm looking for the bridge world guide myself.
1: Yeah. Unbreakable pocket watch is that's a T3 treasure. Let me convert yeah. this to ETH 0.185 ETH. That's a great deal. Bingo. Nice. Okay, so you, so it's a break a uh, breakable pocket watch plus others, right?
0: Plus others, yeah. Red rupee, donkey, two silver pennies, common relic.
1: Okay, that's that's a good. I mean, as of right now, assuming these prices either uh, stay constant or the <clears throat> price of an unbreakable pocket watch increases from now, you just made a great great trade.
0: Right. We'll we'll track how that goes. <laughs> Ooh, there's information released about harvesters. Tattoos, excuse me. We'll look at it later.
1: Interesting. But back to back to treasures. I kind of I kind of view these guys as a uh, to your point, they're the they're the first thing that were minted. So I view them as like the building blocks of the world. They they're from what everything has like flown out of and as a result, like it not only Do I want to be having a lot of treasures? But if I'm like a new project that wants to build with uh, BridgeWorld and the Magic ecosystem, I want to be incorporating treasures into my ecosystem as well. Right, right. And that's that's the key
0: because we're going to have so many treasures being created through questing that you're going to need some way of using them creating value out of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so not only if I'm like a, a builder a dev who wants to participate in this ecosystem, not only am I including magic, but I'm also kind of u- utilizing the composable ecosystem that they have and saying, Oh, you have this existing NFT with a decent size supply that I can easily incorporate into my NFT project, which not only gets current users in but also allows their own following to be involved with BridgeWorld, so you can see how this is like a positive loop to get more and more people involved for sure for sure now do we know what the supplies of all the treasures
0: are we're gonna have to pull that information for the users for the listeners but um i definitely want to be able to talk about the right now there's probably over 50,000 treasures in the ecosystem, correct? Or is it yeah. even more than that?
1: That's a, I would say that's a pretty good guess. I don't know what the original number was, but I mean, it's been going up ever since questing has been turned on. So, I mean, again, questing is an inflationary lever. These treasures won't stop being produced, which is, again, is not necessarily a bad thing. These treasures may be in less demand now compared to compared to the supply, But I could see in as little as one or two months from now with how many people that want to build the treasure, that could be reversed very quickly.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I I really think that there's a great opportunity to create value out of these treasures. Or maybe the supply doesn't need to decrease. Maybe we just need more uses for them. And then naturally, they'll have value because they'll be used or destroyed.
1: Yeah, precisely. So let's talk about some of the uses four treasures. I think one of them that we could discuss is the Atlas mine, which effectively takes them out of circulating supply.
0: Correct. And I think and I think that, that warrants a larger conversation because treasures aren't the only item that affects the Atlas mine, correct?
1: Yeah, no, that you're right. You can also stake legions. A lot I would say.
0: Right. So at best guess right now, there are maybe about a hundred thousand treasures in the ecosystem. And they're probably the cheapest method of getting into magic right now because you can buy a tier five treasure for less than 10 magic at today's prices when this podcast was recorded. But it's a good opportunity to get your feet wet if you're thinking about getting magic. It's definitely the the spot to be in. Now, let's talk about this Atlas Mine and the staking percentages because we haven't really touched on this. And I think it's the most important piece of the entire ecosystem because When you have these treasures, you're staking your magic, you have these legions, you can stake your legions, you can stake your treasures. They increase your emissions percentage when you're staking your magic, but only when you're staking your magic and you have to lock them into the atlas mine along with your magic. The good thing is, is that they don't get locked as long as your magic does. However, you still have to lock them up, which will... Not only take them out of the ecosystem, but prevent them from being a productive asset for you.
1: Precisely. So again, it's another decision that you, as the player, need to make. What am I going to do with my treasures? Right. Do you have any staked, Breaker?
0: Yes, I do have some treasure staked, and I'm going to tell you what they are right now. Find the atlas mine that I have. Explore, explore Bridge World, please. My my throat is getting scratchy. I'm talking a lot. <gasps> All right, I have five treasures staked. Five, I have, dude,
1: underutilized. Yeah,
0: I have a divine hourglass, a favor uh-huh. of the gods, a grin, a snow white feather, and an unbreakable pocket watch. And together, I'm earning almost 40% NFT
1: boost on my staked magic. Oh, rookie numbers, dude. I got 13 bags of mush. You can call me the mush man. <laughs> I, I have six carriages and one grin. So that that's me one hundred and thirty-two percent.
0: Well, it's it's funny that you bring that up because I do have all these treasures that are just sitting here. I should probably be depositing them right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're not planning on selling them, that is, which is totally fine if you aren't.
0: Well, I'm not trying to sell them right now. I feel like they're they're gonna go up before they go down. So I'm I, definitely gonna. I agree. Stake my donkey over here. I can't believe I just brought bought that treasure bag
1: yeah but it's i we'll see how it plays out for all you listeners at home this will be a, a, a weekly pod update right we'll chart
0: I love it. it i love yeah. it proverbial bow on this entire intro to treasure episode first off if you want to go to start with magic.com that's that's going to be your main resource you're going to get all the information the other place that i've I'd love to recommend you go is to read the treasure docs and we'll put the links in the show notes, but the treasure docs are definitely filled with tons of information. That's really where we got all the information for this cast from. And then also shout out again to the one discord, our home away from home. Uh, we have a dedicated treasure channel. You're going to always find some really great information in the one discord. So feel free to join us over there. We hang out in there all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Please come yeah. through.
0: And that concludes another episode of Magic Hour, friends. If you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to our YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Magic Hour Pod. All the links are found on our link tree, which is in the show notes. From all of us, we appreciate your support for Bridge World.